の谷間の暗闇にキラリと光る光の目。What's up, pals? Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 28 of Super Nerd Pals, your weekly conversational podcast about video games, comics, and everything else. You can find us on Twitter at Super Nerd Pals, and we are your pals. I'm your host for today. This is Chris Shiny and Chrome Sampson. And you can find me on Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K Y O Ninja for Hire, all one word. Today we have our co host Stan, and you can find him on Twitter at Stan Doom. Doom! Doom! As in Dr. Doom. Doom. <laughs> and also, we have Andy. Yo. And you can find him at Sweet Justice One. That's Sweet Justice O N E. What's up, guys? How's it going? It's good. It's going sweet and justiceful. Sweet and justiceful. Yeah. All right. Super nerd pals, where we make up words. It's going doomy. It's going. <laughs> that sounds like cereal. <laughs> eat, eat your eat your bowl of doomies. Or doomios. Doomios. Frosted doomies. Doomios. The magically the apocalyptic. <laughs> Okay. All right. right. So we have a kind of a light episode today, but that doesn't matter. We're we're still going to bring our A game. So we're going to start out with the news. One of the big trending things in the news today, a new trailer for Star Wars The Forces Awakens has been released. It's a trailer that dropped in South Korea, but it's been going viral today. Because all you Star Wars fans out there, uh, you're quite hungry for news or anything else you can find out about the movie. All in all, the trailer cuts up and rearranges footage that we already seen before, except for the very beginning, for、uh, for the first second or two, it revealed footage that no one has seen before. It was a brand new wide shot of the villains,、uh, so as an entire military formation. From an overhead view, as if it was being shot by like a air, like a large crane or a quadcopter, and it's revealed that the enemy is is called the First Order. So that's perhaps the the name that the remnants of the Empire calling themselves after the Return of the Jedi and the death of Vader and the Emperor. So did you guys see that trailer?、Uh, or I mean, it's only like two seconds, like where there was actually new footage. Other than that. More or less the same trailer that has been released in the past. I actually didn't see it. I'm trying to like see as little of this like、uh, movie as possible before I actually go and see it. It's literally a screenshot. Wait, so you, that's like all they show. I mean, you you can literally like <laughs> see everything you need to know from looking at one of these tweets of the images that are out there. Oh, so it's like they're stormtroopers. It's yeah. Did you see the, the second trailer that came out a few months ago? Yeah, I was kind of forced revealed, to see、um, it. It shows like all、okay. of them standing、um, in like a row, but it's from a different. It's from the other angle. You're seeing like them all lined up like they were in Clone Wars, where it's、yeah. just like rows and rows and rows of soldiers. That's it. It's just, we knew that there was like a big force. And they revealed the name with it. Well, they already. That's like、yeah. been known. I didn't fucking know that, man. I told you I'm going up on as blind as I can. They got the new stormtroopers and they got the lines in the face. <laughs> they got the new decals and shit. And then you got、um, 
that woman from Game of Thrones being the Chrome Trooper, which I'm still excited about. It's so awesome. They look like they're like her name. they're like cute little, little smiley stormtroopers storm now. They look like stormtroopers with sunglasses. They li- they're like so- they're smiling so- sunglasses stormtroopers. Maybe maybe if we just painted the black a- line that looked like a smile as as red to look like the Joker. No, but they look like smiley emoji stormtroopers. <laughs> kind of do the, with the sunglasses. The cool guy stormtroopers. It's, it's part of their new, brand new PR campaign. They're trying to uh, turn over a new leaf and try to appear palatable to the, the galaxy. They're trying to be both cool and happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's never been done before. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark. They're trying to clean up their image. They got a they got a real PR disaster after the end of the Jedi when Vader threw Palpatine off the the Death Star or whatever. So they're like, "What do we it, gotta do?" Like Smiles and sunglasses. I'll change everything. I liken it to that, that that campaign where Domino's was like, "Yeah, we admit it, our pizza sucked, but now our pizza's better. We have a new recipe." So this is what they're doing. They're like, "Yeah, we we acknowledge that our old troopers and the old Empire were were kind of dicks." <laughs> shot, we shot up and blew up planets and uh, killed little kids. People, but not anymore. We're good. We're, like, we're, we're all buddies now. So are you? Are you? Our, our troopers are smiling. Are you not dicks anymore? No, no we're still dicks. <laughs> we're still the villains. We just have uh, sunglasses and smileys for the kids. Well, what's yeah, what's now what's now kids don't have to be afraid of them. Now they're like, hey, stormtroop, oh, die, done. So does the visor like help you shoot better or like no we're still we're still poor poor aims all of us but we look better we're cooler and happier and that's all that counts can you shoot that target probably not <laughs> can't trust anyone I don't know what trusting anyone has to do with the, with the stormtroopers because they look like you can trust them and then they'll probably kill you they're very upfront about the fact that they're dicks. They're not debating that. They're not saying that we're we're the good guys now. It's like no, we're very much the bad guys, but we're easier to look at, and we have a better demeanor about it. <laughs> but they still can't shoot. No, it's exactly the same. It's just their helmets are just different. Everything else is the same. Do you look good wearing white? Do you like sunglasses? <laughs> can you can you hold a gun? I can hold a gun, but I can't shoot. Great, you're hired. I mean. Back then, the the fucking requirements was, are you a clone of this one guy who's dead? Yeah? Come and join. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Alright, uh, next piece of news. There were leaked set photos circling around today of John Bernthal, most well-known for his role on Walking Dead, and he's also appeared in the tank World War Two period piece called Fury that, came, that was released a couple of months so ago. So my question is... And, uh, a couple of weeks ago... Oh, I'm sorry? So my question is, does uh, does Daredevil slash Punisher take place before The Walking Dead? Because, I mean, I mean, in the screenshot, Shane is the Punisher. So then, obviously, we know he dies in Walking Dead, so... Well, obviously, it has to take place before because there's no zombies. True. The question is, is he going to try to sleep with Daredevil's wife and steal his son? The answer is very much yes. He doesn't have a son, so he'll probably just try to steal Foggy. (laughs) 
<laughs> Imagine him trying to make Foggy work for him. Foggy just wakes up. He's he's tied to a chair and he's bound. And Punisher's like, "Work for me, or I'll cut off your finger." For some reason, in my mind, he's Batman screaming at Foggy to swear to him. <laughs> swear to me, Foggy, or I'll cut <laughs> your fingers off. I was like, "That's that's not a really good tactic to get me to work for you." I'm gonna be real honest. I'm not feeling very convinced. I'm scared. I'll give you that. <laughs> oh no, Foggy seems really content. She's like, yeah, uh, no. Uh, you're kind of a dick. <laughs> you don't seem like you're changing. And you're not gonna get away with this. You might wear. I'm one half of the best avocados. You might rock sunglasses and have a smiley face now, <laughs> but I'm not gonna work for you. His Punisher's skull has sunglasses and it's smiley. <laughs> That's literally what it is. <laughs> New Punisher logo. It's like, Punisher, are you cleaning up your act? Or he's like, no. I still murder people very violently. But the kids will like wearing these t-shirts better. Because there's sunglasses and there's a smiley. And now we need that emoji. <laughs> the smiling, cool Punisher, Punisher logo. I don't know, I think... And friendly Punisher. That's what we need. I think the Punisher... Well... I guess it's his costume. Oh, I don't even know. I'm not really impressed by it. Well, because he's wearing it's, jeans. Yeah, he's wearing like jeans and a black shirt. Yeah, yeah it, for context, uh, in the set images that came out, John Bernthal, he's wearing civvies. So he's just wearing like a black t-shirt and jeans, and he's beating up some thug. So it's not really any... There's no tactical armor. There's no uh, white skull emblem on his shirt or anything. No, it just looks like he's just he was just randomly walking in the middle of the city, in the middle of the day, and some thug just comes up to him and he takes him down. He's like he's gonna break the thug's neck. So I mean, it's not. And does no one call the cops? Like, like oh yeah, no biggie. I just broke this dude's neck. I'm just leave him here. I want to arrest him, but his skull's got a sunglasses and a <laughs> smiley, and I'm feeling compelled to just let him he's go. An upstart citizen. Oh, so that's why Punisher updated his logo. Yeah. So authorities would be like, I don't know, his logo says that he's trying not to kill, but he's still killing. So let's let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. That's the same problem that the, that the Jedi's and the and the new uh, Republic ran into with with this one uh what the fuck what are they called? The one the one the first ones. <laughs> the first guys. The the infamous second sons? <laughs> no. The First Order or something. They're, they got together and they're like, you know, we should really get rid of these bad guys. What if what if my First Order was a quesadilla? <laughs> what? What, if, what if that was my First Order? Give me a quesadillas. Where did that come from? Because it's an order, so I'm uh, my First Order. <laughs> the Death Star is exploding <laughs> in the sky above Endor. And all the rebels are celebrating, and then the Empire is like, Alright, we need to get back at them, but first, quesadillas. That was their first order. That was it. So they climb into the Star Destroyer, and they run through like a galactic Taco Bell. And they got quesadillas for everyone. I was thinking more of a galactic Chipotle. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're the Empire. <laughs> They go for the lowest common denominator food. The the most, the least expensive one because they got a budget. You can't go to Chipotle. That shit's premium. <laughs> they got a budget. They built two goddamn Death Stars. So they don't have money for fucking premium quesadillas. Of course not. 
So they have money to build the third Death Star. Yes, that's where all the money went. And now that's why their first order was fucking quesadillas. <laughs> uh, quesadillas. Anyway, moving on. Uh, another thing that went viral today, there's this fan film, animated fan film, produced by a YouTube channel and a producer called uh, Miltonius Arts. This re- this was released about two weeks ago, but it, I think it just started to gain steam and popularity like this week. It's a animated feature of Lady Thor or or Thor, um, uh, whichever moniker suits you or fancies you. Or Jane Jane Foster Thor. There you go. And she's facing off against Zombie Hulk, and it's really cool. It's it's a very stylish. Stylishly made animation. It starts off with Thor facing off against the legions of zombies, and all of a sudden, uh, over like this huge hulking zombie Bruce Banner comes out, and he's like thirsty for blood. And Thor goes to town, shooting lightning bolts, hurling her hammer, and punching zombie Hulk into the sky like DBZ style. It's it's fantastic. I love it. I really want if. Fully uh, a- animated TV series based on Thor, or even better than that, I want I want an animated series of the, of this Thor plus all the other Thors, like in the Secret Wars tie-in, because we can't have I can't I can't get enough of those those Thors. It could be like SWAT cats with Thors. Hell yeah, SWAT cats! I love that show. That was amazing. Just replace all the cats with Thors. <laughs> They're gonna be flying. Flying F- F-14 Tomcats. No, they're right? flying giant hammers. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> giant ass, like, flying hammers, but they kind of look like motorcycles. Like motorcycle fashion hammers. That's what they drive. I just thought of, like, a giant Molnir, like, hollowed out with, like, a cockpit attached <laughs> to it, and they're, like, in the, in the driver's seat. That would be amazing. And then they could team up with... Well, there's going to be a prequel series where the two Thors en- enroll in Top Gun Academy <laughs> with Wolverine and Deadpool. And they get into fights. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't seen this movie, just look up Thor vs. Hulk fan film. And you can also type in the producer, Miltonius Arts. How long is it? It's about, I think, like four minutes long. No, that's not so bad. So Stan, uh, you said you had some Resident Evil news you wanted to talk about. Yeah, last week we didn't get to cover it, but um, somebody in Capcom pitched the idea of doing a remake of Resident Evil 2. Yeah, Resident Evil 2 remake. Possible. I think it's happening. I mean, they, they're they doing a lot of... They're going through a lot of publicity with it for it to not happen, you know, posting it on the... I feel like it's kind of the same thing with the uh, the guy who paid Bethesda and Bottle Caps... It just kind of went out to the public, and like now everyone knows about it and knows that like it was pitched. So now Capcom's kind of fucking obligated to do it. Well, I mean, there was like such a, a positive response to it. I mean, who who's gonna respond negatively to a, a classic Resident Evil remake, especially one that will look just as good as the Resident Evil One remake? I mean, it'll look better because it's. The yeah. Current gen, but like I feel, I feel like people were asking for a Resident Evil Two remake ever since the original remake came out on the GameCube. I would actually really like a Resident Evil Three remake more than a two, but why? Just because Nemesis 
Like Nemesis plays such a huge factor in three, and he's one of my favorite villains. Why? Because he's just badass. He walks around with a bazooka. You murder him. You come back. He's gone. The fuck? Mr. X was kind of the same. Yo, Resident fuck Evil Mr. Two. X. Why? Because. They're the same. They're like cousins. They like go to the shops together. They're like twins. They go to Hot Topic together. They buy the same clothes. Fucking Nemesis is the ugly twin. <laughs> he's a twin nobody likes. I love Nemesis. He got this, the cute little staple in his face. <laughs> what? <laughs> He got like staples in his face. You do. It's cute. You're very in, into Nemesis' face. Like I didn't even know what he had staples in his head. Did you not see like Resident Evil Apocalypse? The movie? Yeah. Yeah, of course I've seen it. Yeah, bro. But that's not the same Nemesis. That's like a different. They're, the, they they're like they look the same. Yeah. Okay. They're modeled like it's not the same exact Nemesis, but they do look alike. Same yeah. archetype. But, like, Mr. X is the handsome version. He's, like, the handsome Mr. cousin. Mr. X reminds me of handsome Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. X is handsome nemesis. Yeah, he's handsome nemesis. I also like tyrants. Tyrants are pretty cool. Tyrants are just naked nemesises. Uh, I thought they were naked Mr. X's. Well, if, if Mr. X is a handsome nemesis, then a naked tyrant <laughs> is a naked nemesis. Jesus Christ. <laughs> The fuck have we done? It's a progression. You got to go from one to the other, and then if you want to go even uglier than Nemesis, then you, then obviously you go to William Birkin, who's like the ugliest. I mean, all right. So William Birkin is like the <laughs> aborted child. It's like you're like, well, Nemesis is one thing, but let me tell you about William Birkin. This motherfucker is the ugliest bitch I ever seen. He is. Who the fuck has an eye on their shoulder, Blue? I don't think he had that by choice. I don't think that's what he, he signed up for. He signed up for it. When he when he injected himself with the G virus, he wasn't like, oh my god, I right here, a little one on the back. Yeah, none none in my face. I don't want to see out of my face. Everybody sees out of their face. I want to see out of my bicep. So all the girls looking at me, I'll be looking right at them. Hey, baby. Look. I see you looking at my arms. See William Birkin, like, strutting, strutting on the beach and just flexing, just oiling his bicep, and it gets in his eyes. Like, oh, my. Like, what I, what I do, this is horrible. <laughs> he gets, like, giant, like, buckets of clear cell and just, like... And being one ugly-ass mofo, um... <laughs> Last week, there was a crazy detailed cosplay of his second mutated form. All right, so... on the shoulder. Yeah. It actually moves. So as ugly and as William Birkin is, like- that cosplay kicked the ass. All he wants is attention. I feel like... I feel like he's more scarier than Nemesis because of how ugly he is. <laughs> <laughs> like, ugliness plays a factor. Uh, Mr. X? Mr. X isn't scary. That's why you don't care about Mr. Because X. Because he's pretty. Because he's, like, handsome, so you don't give a fuck about this him. This is like, oh, he's killing me, but at least I get to see something that looks fucking cool. So I understand why you like Tyrant more than Mr. X, because he's just a naked Mr. X. Yeah. Which is, like, uglier than Mr. X with clothes on. Yeah. Because he's naked. So you like him better, because he's naked and ugly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That is that is why I'm and then getting... he, and you like Nemesis the most because he toes the line between being too ugly like William <laughs> Birkin and being clothed and handsome like Mister X. So he's like the perfect balance. Yeah, but I also I also really like the rivalry between him and Jill. It just kind of like fascinates me that that this dude is just 
I don't know. It seems like he's really only after Jill, even though he's after all Stars members. He keeps coming back to Jill because Jill's like the unkillable one. She's the only one who's left, though, in the city. Yeah, but she's also the only one that's able to, like, bite him off all these times without dying. Unless you die, then you're a scrub. I just want to say that Nemesis is really impractical because there was literally two Stars members in Raccoon City when, when this shit went down. So let's spend billions of dollars making Nemesis just so he can kill two people. And let's just make him ugly enough so that he's scary, but not too ugly like William Birkin because then nobody will want to be around him. So he just needs to be the perfect amount of ugly, the perfect amount of handsome. Maybe, maybe you're misjudging Nemesis. All Nemesis needs is some sunglasses and a smile. He's already got the smile. Exactly. He's already got the smile. Let's not talk about his smile. Sunglasses. He's got a winning smile. Sunglasses surgically implanted into his face. There you go. For his one eye. What about Wesker? He's like the handsomest, but have you seen him without his shirt in Resident Evil 5? (laughs) Listen, I love Wesker. Wesker's by far, hands down, my favorite Resident Evil character. Done deal. Seven minutes. Seven minutes is all he can spare to play with you. (laughs) Just remember that. You you think you're coming around Wesker's house to play for eight minutes? Fucking wrong. He only ever has seven minutes. That's the problem. Like he can't even. I he, mean, he can't I get mean, through anything. And then and then the dick kicks you through a door. Like like it's not enough that he can only play with you for seven minutes, but he's gonna kick you through his house door. I'm just gonna say it's very inconvenient to, to live with Wesker because he can, he only has enough attention for seven minutes, and when he's done, he's gonna kick you out. You'll you'll be laying in your bed. If you live with Wesker, you'll be laying in your bed. Wesker's gonna come through your room. Found you! <laughs> Wesker! Like, Wesker, Wesker trying, wasn't hiding! I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> I'm trying to take a nap. I had a long day. It's like seven minutes. <laughs> seven minutes is all I have for you to take a nap. Wesker, dinner's done. Seven minutes. <laughs> seven minutes is all I can spare to eat this food. It's like, Wesker, you're very impatient. Wesker, have you ever thought of extending that time limit? Seven minutes. <laughs> Seven minutes is all I can uh, all I can spare for you to explain this to me. Wesker must be like the perfect housemate, though. Only taking seven minutes showers. <laughs> only watching TV for seven minutes. It's pretty convenient in some ways. But when you're trying to sleep yeah, and he's screaming, found you. On the flip side, it could be a crappy room. He's like, I'm only going to help you clean up the house for seven minutes. I'm only going to do the dishes for seven minutes. But then again, he's only making seven minutes of the mess. Because that's all he has time for. What does he do with the rest of his fucking day? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> if everything takes seven minutes, he must have a lot of time left over, right? How much shit can you do in a day? I mean, Wesker's a pretty busy guy trying to take over the world and, and fighting in a volcano and whatnot. What? what? He really spent seven minutes on anything. He must be really bad at taking over the world. I mean, seven minutes, aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, wait, I have, to, I have to go to the bathroom for seven minutes. Now. I mean, maybe exactly. maybe he shares the glory with his ugly bro- brethren. Maybe Nemesis and, and William Birkin's there to, to take That's over. That's probably why everyone looks so fucked up, because he only had seven minutes to work on all these viruses. <laughs> so they all look all fucked up and, like, ugly and shit, because he only had... Mr. X is what happens when he takes ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Was, X, Mr. X without a jacket is, uh... Is about that's, eight. that's about eight. That's about eight. That Maybe is, eight and a half. The only time Wesker ever took his time was with Mr. X. That's why it looks so goddamn pretty. And everyone else is so ugly because he only had seven minutes. 
Well, Birkin, he spent like five minutes. You know. Yeah, I mean... That's why he's the ugliest. I mean, that's also why Wesker's limit was seven. Because he saw Nemesis and was like, well... Nemesis is the line here. Yeah, he's, so, he's the seven minutes. <laughs> that, that's the seven minute child. You don't need any more than that. <laughs> anyway, I think we're done with the Resident Evil. Resident Evil 2 remake would be great. I hope it's longer than seven minutes. <laughs> Capcom needs to work on it for about ten minutes. Yeah, you need to work about ten minutes on that. Alright, so this past week, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F came out in theaters across the country. And all of us saw it, sort of, except for me. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that later. I had a bit of a debacle about the premiere. But, you guys, thoughts on the new Dragon Ball Z movie? I thought it was pretty good. Had a lot of comedic effect. Uh, well, comedic factor. Fuck ton of action. That movie was just, like, from beginning to end, jam-packed with action. I liked it. Uh, had a little problems with the ending, but we'll talk. We'll, we'll go into that in a bit. What about you, Stan? I think it's probably one of my top Dragon Ball Z movies, if not my favorite. <clears throat> had a had a weak ending, but I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it yet. But I thought Battle of Gods had a stronger ending, but overall, um, Resurrection F had the more solid premise and movie. I really what my favorite part is that they gave a lot of time to the lesser characters. There was, like, that whole extended action sequence with Gohan and Tien yeah. and Master Roshi, even. And everyone got, like, hits in. And <clears throat> I really like how they took the time to differentiate everyone's fighting style. How Gohan is more of a non-lethal fighter now. And how Master Roshi's, like, very, like, kind of brawler-esque. Where he's just, like, really buff and just, like, punching people in the face. <laughs> and then and then Jocko's, like, really, like, nimble and, like, tricky... And he does all these, like, tricky Jacko, shit. Jacko's fighting style is hilarious. Yeah, he's got a great fighting style. Because when you look at the, the series of Dragon Ball Z, the way they fight, everyone's really much a big brawler. Everyone's brawling with each other, you know, like, throwing punches and kicks and, like, throwing each other. And it's, like, really, like, they're, everyone's, like, bruisers and stuff. And now, in Resurrection F, everyone seems, like, more, like, they have finesse. Like, they're fighting with, like, more martial, like, prowess. Like, you'll see, like, Goku will do, like, a one-inch punch. Or Vegito like throw out this like really like precise kick and then like put his foot down like really like Bruce Lee style, and I I really like that and it's like these little touches of how they fight and how it's different because it makes sense if they're like practicing their fighting style for so long it's gonna get more refined they're not gonna just be like wailing on each other so there's a lot of wailing there's a lot of wailing but you know there's there's these little moments where like Vegeta will kick Frieza and then just put his foot down or or they'll do the the you know really quick punch in the gut or whatever. I feel like Vegeta's fighting style overall was probably the most improved because Vegeta went from this like from season one of Dragon Ball Z he went from like this fucking killer who will kill anybody including his own comrades. Then he went on to like this okay well I need to fight with people if I want to win but I'm still gonna try to be outclassing everyone else. And now he's more of like, like he doesn't feel like he needs to outclass anyone anymore. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the Gohan thing, but I really like how they sort of evolved his character. 
to where it's like, yeah, he can't he can't go toe to toe with Frieza right now, the way Frieza's training or whatever. But he can do he can hold his own with like a lot of people, and they and you show that, and and they shows him like fighting all these people and like like hitting their necks and like doing these chops and shit. The one, the one thing that I really liked about it, because I'm a huge fan of Gohan, but I didn't really like how how Gohan was like, well, maybe I'll be able to go Super Saiyan. Because he wasn't sure. But then, after the fight and everything happens, it kind of shows off as Gohan's the most strongest out of everyone there. Because Bef- before Goku and Vegeta show up, obviously. He, he's got to be the <laughs> one who, who has the most restraint. And you gotta you gotta figure that after the Cell Saga, he he wants to kind of pull it back a little bit. I you see, I feel like the way that Akira Toriyama writes Gohan's character is as if the Cell Saga scared him. Yeah, that's, that's because mm. Gohan going Super Saiyan two and not killing Cell was the reason why Goku had to die. And like I guess him being the reason that his father died, like kind of scarred him and. Um, you never really see yeah. Gohan go Super Saiyan two anymore. It's like he's afraid. That's why I like. That's why I like the fact that Gohan sort of went home and and became a family man. You know, so because he's like, I don't really need to fight anymore because Vegeta and Gohan are. I mean, Goku are around, but he still he he might not be a fighter, but you know he had to develop that non lethal fighting style. He had to do something just in case. So while he might be rusty, I like the fact that he didn't completely abandon. All his fighting skills. So I thought that was pretty cool. I also like how they didn't portray Krillin as like a scaredy cat or whatever. Yeah, Krillin was pretty badass in this. I need to put my two cents in for just a, just a recap. I've only saw like the first twenty five minutes of the movie because screw you, Regal Cinemas in Washington D.C. What happened? They had like a pre recorded DVR copy of the film, so it was all digital. So after 25 minutes into the flick, the pictures started getting corrupted, and then it skipped right to the end of the movie. Literally right to the end, where they passed all the cool action scenes and spoiled like what the biggest uh, moment in the in the film, where Vegeta just goes full beast mode. You know, like the theater was like so up in arms, and like people were demanding refunds. So they paused the film, they rewinded it, we watched again. Up to around the same 20 to 25 minute mark. And then it skipped again. So by the time that all resolved, you know, it was already like close to 10 o'clock. And then the next movie screening was going to happen. So it was a complete fail. But part of the scenes that I watched was Krillin's introduction. And he's a cop. And I, I love that scene where he's chasing on the two robbers, teleports in front of them, and like beats the crowd out of them while talking on the phone. And it was just, it was really funny, but it just shows, like, how Krill is not so much of a pushover anymore. And they're also playing with that fact where Android 18 is giving him a haircut, and he flies away, and then she says, he's so cool, and all, the entire <coughs> theater was cracking up. Even, even after, like, she legit calls Krillin cool after telling Krillin that she's stronger than him. Like, it was so, it was such an awesome moment. Yeah, I really, I really like how they're taking the time, at least giving it a few minutes to kind of go into why Krillin and, and eighteen work as a couple. Because you don't, you don't even get that in the series so much. Because it's like they, they have like a brief kiss, and the next thing you know, time skip, they, they have a daughter, and it's like, what the fuck, <laughs> right? But like here, it's they really go into it a little bit, and you get to see like, okay, so like Android eighteen is like obviously 
She because she's a cyborg or whatever. She's kind of like socially. I guess awkward. <laughs> she's like socially like separated from the real world because she was like in this like capsule or whatever. And it's so funny how she like sees Krillin as like this badass, and and it's kind of cute how how like she feels about Krillin, and and like it kind of makes sense even though she's stronger than him, and she could probably like kill kill him. I guess she's she probably sees more to it than that, you know, like just how he's like. His personality, basically. Even the fact that, like, she wanted to go fight also, and then he was like, no, because we're going to need someone here for Marin. Yeah. And he was like, I'll I'll go. And I guess that's what made him look so cool to her. Yeah. I feel like she just thinks he's cool. I was still kind of upset. I, 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 I really want to see Android 18 fight. Yeah, me too. Because... Uh, I mean, it was sort of like a sausage fest. You know, there was... I mean, Bulma was there, but, you know, she was kind of just on the sidelines. And but Bulma's always there. To, yeah, I know, but I just want to see, like, Android 18 <laughs> kick some ass. But, I mean, it, I mean the, sto- the, the story is all about, like, Goku, Vegeta, and, like, they're epic. I mean, they're, they're, they're truly the only ones who could, you know, take out Frieza, but... Not, just, not, not to bash on, like, the fight scenes. Like, uh, I haven't seen... The, the fight season full, but, like, during the credits, they were playing, like, a truncated uh, music video where it had it showed brief clips of, like, the fight scene, so I saw some of it. And, I, I like, my favorite part would be, like, Master Roshi hulking out and just throwing Kamehameha waves at people. But I just really want to see 18 kick some ass. That's just yeah, crazy. like... But I, I, I did think that that, that small uh, character study into the relationship with Krillin and her was really sweet. Well, that's why <clears throat> that's why I really like these movies because it kind of takes the time to show you a little bit more than just the fighting. Um, that being said, they could have totally left um, Marin with Chichi. I'm <laughs> I'm so glad that um, like the whole reason that we were able to get all of this extra stuff that we enjoy so much is because Frieza's a fully developed character already. Just based off the series, like, you know everything you need to know about Frieza. So they just fucking opened this movie up as if everyone, Frieza's, like, known. That's yeah. it. And that's how how it should have been. Yeah. <clears throat> there. So there was a few things that I thought they could have done better. One is that, yeah, there should have been more variety in the fighters that showed up. And because... because Stuff happened like Krillin telling 18 to stay behind, even though she was much stronger than Krillin. Makes me feel like the stakes weren't as high. Like, they were def- Frieza was definitely a threat, but he wasn't that much of a threat. Like, they weren't that fucking... Yeah, and Tien told Chaozu and Yamcha to stay home. <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny. <laughs> if anyone needs to stay home, it's fucking Yamcha. But yeah, there was, like, these moments... Uh, besides, you know... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just say there's just these moments where they'll bring up the the tension and and the threat that Frieza poses, but then they'll kind of like cut that down a little bit and make it seem less. So it's like he is a threat, but you know he's not going to be that much of a threat if whatever if they're acting a certain way towards him. I like that Master Roshi had to point out approximately how many guys they had to beat up each. Yeah, that was awesome. It made it seem like no big deal, I- like. I like uh, one of the things I found funny is how they I don't know if there was a joke or not but they reintroduced the concepts of like power levels back into the into the movie because like it was when Frieza was just revived and he was like ah this is great Majibu's dead 
I never had to train in a, a day in my life. So if I train for four months, my power level could be over, I don't know, six million. And it's like, really? You don't... I mean, I don't think... I, I thought you guys were done with power levels after, you know, people were training. Well, gods, um, you know. Frieza's, Frieza's men and Frieza himself, they've never, like... They, they never actually had the chance to, like, learn that power levels don't mean shit. Yeah. Like, Vegeta figured it out... Uh, Vegeta true. figured it out on Earth when... When he was like, oh shit, this dude can raise his power level by just doing Kamehameha. I just, it just, I thought that scene was funny because it's like, does he know that that's probably not a lot of fucking power level? Because it's like, Frieza, you've been gone a long time? I don't think you really understand what's going on on Earth right now. So I just, yeah, you're right with with them being able to change their power levels. It, It really doesn't make, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But, um... It would have been interesting to see what would happen if Frieza had held off and didn't just immediately train for a few months and then come back because he was really impatient. I think it was also interesting that uh, that Frieza was happy that King Cold wasn't brought back to life. Yeah. Frieza was like, yeah, well, he can stay in hell, whatever. Yeah, we don't really need to Mm-mm. revive my dad or anything. That's- and I like how they also established that Frieza knows of Beerus. And Friesen knows... And yeah, and Friesen knew of Majin Buu. And was like, well, the only two people my father told me not to mess with was Majin Buu and Beerus. Yeah. I I was a little upset that there was no mention of Cooler at all. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they didn't mention him in Battle of Gods. I feel like that was... They mentioned Frieza's brother. But I'm not certain... Because I'm, I'm iffy on if he's canon or not. Because I feel like sometimes they mention him, sometimes they don't. Well, they did mention him in in, uh, in Battle of Gods. Okay, so then he is canon. So I don't know why Frieza wouldn't... Like, maybe he just doesn't give a fuck about his brother. Speaking of, I need... I, it's, well, it's, that, that's definitely in his, within his character. Yeah. But, like, speaking of that, but I, I really need Vegeta's brother to come back. Well, he also mentioned... Uh, we, we all know that King Cold's favorite child was Frieza. Yeah. So maybe that's why, because Frieza already feels superior. He probably feels like he doesn't need Cooler around. So the thing that I wanted to see that didn't, that didn't happen was I was I wanted to kind of see Frieza like jump to Cooler's final form and then jump to Golden Frieza as like an in between form because I just wanted to see that because you know how Cooler was like talking shit about how he has one final form over Frieza yeah and it's like that weird like armor or whatever I wanted to see Frieza go to that level while he and maybe fight. A regular god version of Goku or Vegeta, and then go golden. See, all right. Here's my theory. Now, I don't think Goku can go Super Saiyan. I think his version of Super Saiyan now is Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, and I think his base form is actually God. Oh, really? Yeah. And then when he goes Super Saiyan, he's Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan. That's interesting. So, <clears throat> so then does that make Vegeta the same? That's yeah. That's just my theory because Goku didn't go Super Saiyan. Goku didn't go Super Saiyan 3. Goku didn't... He told Frieza straight up, like, I could fuck you up in my base form. Didn't they mention in Battle of the Gods when he was fighting Beerus, then he got out of Super Saiyan God mode, but being... Or having Saiyan biology and physiology, like, he absorbed some of the powers of Super Saiyan God mode as his normal base level. So he still... He could still go toe-to-toe, even though he's not in Super Saiyan God form. Yeah. So his his base form, yeah, like his base form is God form, and then like so his his base form is is more powerful than his regular Super Saiyan form. 
Well, no, like... Well, yeah, to me... Alright, so what I'm saying is that Goku no longer has a regular Super Saiyan form. I think that Goku is, like, permanently in this God form, and whenever he goes Super Saiyan, it's always gonna be Super Saiyan God. Super Saiyan. I understand what you're saying. But, so the, the way that we'd have to prove this is to see if he goes Super Saiyan in... Dragon Ball Super. Yeah. That would be the way to prove That's the it. only thing that would disprove my theory. Yeah, but I it sounds like a, a solid theory because I don't think Goku ever transforms at the end of the, the last scene in Dragon Ball Z. He doesn't transform. He's in like in the world tournament or whatever, so you don't see that happen. Yeah. So it's possible that he could be just God mode all the time. And it, it'd be similar to how um, Gohan, when he, in the Buu Saga, couldn't go Super Saiyan anymore. He would just go like Mystic or whatever the hell they called that shit. Ultimate? Ultimate Gohan, Mystic Gohan, same oh, shit. Fuck, he like is like fucking normal. Nothing happened. Like, that's it. Though he had that sweet ass sword for like an episode and a half. Yeah, broke. I think I think they spent too much time doing a Goku versus Frieza fight. I think they spent way too much time on it because I think whatever. At least for me, I can't speak really for everybody, but I feel like the the consensus was that this was Vegeta's time because Vegeta never got a chance to like put the boots to Frieza. So it felt like... And Vegeta got so robbed in this movie. It was... That was criminal. I wanted to see more Vegeta. Yeah. And he was so badass. He was just... It was like a, a sleeper hit. Yes. Where he just like... Uh, and he just really showed how much he, he's grown and caught up to Goku. And I wanted to see more. But, you know, Goku kind of stole the show in the end. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one thing I didn't like is that in the end, Goku was always going to steal the spotlight. And I felt like they could have definitely cut a lot of that base Goku versus Final Form Frieza fight. Because how many times have we seen that already? You know, that's old news. We don't want to... It's like, I get it. Goku's like the John Cena of Dragon Ball Z. You know, and you gotta always... Ha He's the face of Dragon Ball Z. You gotta have him put, a, put him against the, the main heel or whatever. The thing is, you don't need to spend so much time on that fight. Because that's a fight that everyone's already seen. Oh, yeah, they're at new levels of power. But it's almost identical to Super Saiyan Goku and Final Form Frieza 100% in the series. You know, they're both at the top of their game and they're fighting. So this is almost the same thing, except Goku has the upper hand a lot. So it would have been better to see more of Vegeta's, you know, they could have cut that whole base form fight and give Vegeta more room to breathe. And that's my, that's my only real criticism with the movie is that I definitely want to see more from Vegeta, because I felt like this was going to be his moment. You know, this was going to be his time to, like, get revenge on Frieza for every fucking thing that he did to him. I, I also like how they kind of show that Bulma... I don't know if she's been, like, training on it or what, but she seems like she's able to sense power now, because there's this point where Goku and Frieza are fighting in the sky, like, past the clouds... And Vegeta goes in, and then Vegeta and Goku start fighting. But before we get to see that, you see like the little the little lights in the air, and Bulma's the first one to mention. Are you guys seriously doing this right now? Like she she caught on immediately. She knew. So I feel like Bulma's also like growing slightly. She's probably still more useful than I feel like she'd Yamcha. have to do that as, like, necessity because of who her, like, son and husband is. Because they're, like, flying away and she needs, <laughs> she needs to see where they're going, you know? She's like, Trunks, she get back home. Tabs on them. Yeah. 
My my favorite part was when Goku. Well, not my favorite part. But one of my favorite parts is when Goku had to do instant transmission and they had to hold hands. <laughs> and Vegeta's like, "I'm not holding your hand." That was just a great moment. <laughs> and then like Vegeta like it's like reluctantly holds his hand. I like into like web comics where they make fun of like um, like Superman and Batman have to get somewhere quickly. And Superman's, Superman's like, "Hey, Batman, you want to get on get on my back and we could go supersonic?" And Batman's like, "No." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it is. I'll, I'll ride in the Batwing. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like. I also like the callbacks to to when they became uh, Vegito and how like Vegito is basically like we're. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> it's like we're not doing that again. Oh uh, wait, wait, do you think it? Do you think it was um, Vegito or Gogeta or was it Veku? Remember in the movie number twelve where Vegeta messes up the fusion dance and he turns to like the really fat. Grotesque looking fusion. Oh, that was in Fusion like, Reborn. Fighting Janumba. Yeah, that was yeah. the 12th movie. Nobody wants to be that one. <laughs> Nobody wants to be that no fuck wants to be <laughs> I also liked Frieza's like diss on, on Vegeta, which I've been making for like fucking years. Who is Vegeta Prince of? Like, Vegeta said, uh, Frieza says it, all hell Vegeta, Prince of no one. It was just this movie was great for all the like trash talking that everyone was doing to each other. Like Frieza trash talking Vegeta, Vegeta trash talking Frieza, trash talking Goku. Everyone's like throwing shade Goku at each other. Goku was even trash talking. Yeah, everyone was just like talking shit about each other. It was great. And I have to say, I love, I, I fucking to this day, I love Sean Schimmel's voice acting. Like this dude goes from this like stupid Goku, and then to like when he gets serious, like. Like, you could just fucking tell in his tone of voice. Yeah. I would hate to be Sean Schimmel's kid. Speaking of Sean Schimmel, did you guys see the video that came out uh, last week? It was um, him, Chris Sabat, and some other... Oh, there was the voice of Frieza. And they were redubbing famous movie lines in the voices of DBZ characters. They redubbed scenes from Step Brothers, (laughs) the President's Speech from Independence Day... It was it was so great. If you haven't watched it yet, um, I, I know I posted it on the Super Nerd Palace Facebook group. Which you should join. Uh, it's really hilarious. Yeah, you should join. <laughs> and uh, I also made suggestions of what other scenes they should dub over. Like I want I want to hear Vegeta and uh, Frieza's voices for her. the the hospital scene from Dark Knight with the Joker and Two Face. Or um, what about Frozen? Or I want they the- should sing a Frozen song. They should. All the music. Vegeta doing a musical. That'd be great. I would like to see the diner scene from Reservoir Dogs. With all the characters from Dragon Ball Z. Like talking over to dinner. Or breakfast. The final scene of The Sopranos. <laughs> I just want uh, Tiana and to be the voices for uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg in any of the Cornetto films. I want Vegeta to voice over every Ash Ketchum line. Every... Every line in Resident Evil 1997. Speaking of Resident Evil, <laughs> just come back to Nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> Who would win, Vegeta or Vegeta. Nemesis? I mean, I don't. I don't think that's a contest. He'd just rip him in half. He'd rip his clothes off, and he'd be like, "What the fuck?" I have Vegeta no will pull the staple out his eye. <laughs> what would you rate Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F? And would you recommend people to see it? I would recommend it. Uh, I would definitely recommend it, and I'd give it like solid eight and a half. What are you gonna eat from? There's a five point scale. Oh, I'm bananas. thinking off of tail. Uh, Where the hell did you get? Scale. There's no eight bananas. 
There's yeah. too many bananas. Who can eat that many bananas? Alright, so then... I'm probably... Uh, a four. Four? A solid four. Yeah. The movie had some problems, but I, you know what? Overall, I really... I really enjoyed it, so I'm gonna go with four too. I I honestly think that it, it's it's up there with one of my favorite Dragon Ball Z movies. It's if you're like, a One Piece fan and you haven't seen Dragon Ball Z, you need to see it. Krillin's ringtone is the first oh One Piece opening. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, um. For me. Yeah, Chris, um, rate you know, twenty five minutes you saw. No, yeah, and I. I just, I, I can't give a complete rating, but from what I watched and from what I saw in the, the closing credits where they kind of did the montage, I it, was, it looked really cool, but I'm going to reserve my rating until I actually see it. I mean, my, my schedule's been really crazy. I know the, the last theater in my area to play it, they're playing it tomorrow, but it's during a, it's during times where I'm still commuting home from work. So there's no way I, I can make it in Just time. tell your boss so you need to leave I actually see early. Movie. Well, we can always table this until anyway. you've seen it. Take your time. Yeah. Um. But, I mean, I, I'd like to c- congratulate the film because it's, it's breaking, like, box office records. I think it was, like, number one for, like, anime films. Within the first two, within the first two opening nights, it, like, doubled what Battle of Gods made. Yeah. So congrats Akira Toriyama and Sean Schimmel, Chris Abai, and everyone. And and congrats Frieza for your torturous looking hell. <laughs> definitely, a, definitely a must watch if you're a Dragon Ball fan. Go see it. Go see it. Go see it like now. All right, Chris, you got a comic for us this week because we don't have one. All right, for this week I read Mad Max Free Road. This is the Max Part Two tie-in. This wraps up the entire run of the tie-in comics. So we had Furiosa, we had the combined Nux and Immortan Joe stories, and I covered Part One a couple weeks ago. So I had my suspicions of what would happen in this issue, and and I, I called it. At the last pages of the previous issue, Max engages in a new form of Thunderdome to get a brand new V8 engine, uh, and he's rebuilding the Pursuit Special after it's been destroyed after, I don't know, like the fourth or fifth time. So he's rebuilding the car. He wins the match. Uh, He was on the ropes, but he was helped by a mysterious woman. He won the match, but the buzzards or the scavengers who were slated to win. They sought retribution by stalking Max, invading his camp, beating him up, leaving him for dead, and stealing his car. But the same lady, she follows him, saves his life, and makes him a deal to help Max get back his car in return for rescuing her daughter. This ties into the movie because all throughout the movie, Max has a severe form of PTSD, and he keeps having flashbacks of this little girl that's haunting him. So this comic establishes that within the entire canon, daughter, uh, the girl, uh, her name is Hope, and it re- it clears up ambiguities and confusion of whether or not this was a standalone movie, because in the original Mad Max movie, it's established that Max had a son, and when the movie came out, people weren't sure if this was his new... This was like a, uh, a retcon, and he actually had a biological daughter, but it isn't... This is just some daughter and her mother that Max had a brief encounter with. So the issue, the bulk of the issue is Max breaking to the scavenger compound and rescuing Hope. It was pretty interesting. Uh, my favorite part 
where it really seemed to try to emulate the amazing vehicular combat and great uh, and and the, the visceral nature of the movies into comic book form, because it goes into this epic escape scene where Max and Hope reacquire his car, and they they do this amazingly rendered splash and, and spreads where the car is driving inside this parking garage like compound and the the buzzards they're still using the same vehicles you recognize from the movie so like these super rusted over vehicles with spikes and buzz saws are chasing them that that was my favorite part like in my mind i just imagine like george miller filming one of these chase scenes uh based on these comic books pages that's really well storyboarded in the end max still has severe trust issues he leaves Hope and her mother alone for a second. And it echoes, it sets up parallels between the, the departure scenes that we see in Fury Road. Uh, if you remember, there was one scene where Max gets Furiosa and, and co. to meet up with the Vuvulini, and they make a decision to flee on motorcycle into the salt flats. And Furiosa, the night before, makes an offer to Max to to go with them. She was saying, you have a place with us. You, you earned your keep. You can. You don't have to be alone anymore. And the same exact thing happened in this comic, uh, except Max rejects her offer. And what happens, uh, he, he instantly regrets the decision and he's too late. And what happens is uh, the daughter and, and the mother get killed violently. So it sets up a foil or mirror image of what, 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 uh, what happens then and what will happen in the future. And this also contributes or explains why Max was so feral in the beginning of Fury Road, because he, that this is probably one of his greatest failures, besides from failing to save his actual family back in the events of the original movie. And I wasn't quite sure what the ending was supposed to do. It's like it's trying to tease like a potential plotline for a sequel beyond Fury Road because what happens is um, the, well, throughout the entire tie-in comic it's being told an unspecified amount of time in the future where this old man is telling the story of like Max and Furiosa and Immortan Joe and Nux to a bunch of children and he's, he's saying like it's important to, to tell these stories to recount history lest we make the same mistakes again and in the end, the narrator makes a cryptic prophecy saying, um, well, history is going to repeat once again. And it cuts to a brief panel where they reveal some woman who seems to have control of the Citadel. And we don't know who this is. It might be one of the wives. It might be Furiosa. But personally, I don't think it's Furiosa. I think it's just one of the wives or maybe one of the daughters or descendants of the wives, but the remaining brother of Immortan Joe is, like, corrupting this new leader, so it's trying to set up, like, new conflict. So I don't know if, if this is tied to any actual plans by Miller for a, a sequel to Fury Road. I don't know, it, it just tries to leave off with a cliffhanger to make you want more, but I, I didn't think they, it was done quite that well. Overall, I, I really... I really dig what the comic tried to do with setting up the canon of Mad Max and how it sets everything in the Mad Max franchise as one continuous storyline. And I really like the art. I, I was pretty happy that they answered some of the questions that we were left with during the, the movie. So I would give it like, um, maybe like 3.5 bananas.
Would you recommend the entire Mad Max run for someone who was interested in Fury Road? Or is it really, like, fluff? Um, looking back, I mean, there were some things that I wish they could definitely re- rewrite or explore another perspective or angle. Like, Furiosa. Like, I know a lot of people found that Furiosa tie-in pretty, pretty controversial and not what they expect. I agree, too. I really wanted to see a Furiosa story where it was her growing up and her learning how to survive with a Vuvulini. And I know that was criticized a lot for gratuitous sexual violence. You know, they, they pretty much outright showed rape. And they also showed one of the characters, uh, Angra the Splendid, trying to give herself a coat hanger abortion, which is pretty bad. I, I thought the strongest prequel tie-ins was the Mad Max one. I thought the, the Nux and Immortal Joe is pretty decent. And I thought Furiosa was the weakest. But I mean, if you if you're a hardcore Mad Max fan, uh, by all means go for it. But I thought uh, the strongest out of every of all the tie-in comics, um, it would be Mad Max, and then Nux and Immortan Joe, and in last place would be Furiosa. That's just me. All right, that's cool. Yeah. We have nothing. <laughs> so uh, thank you for having a comic to talk about this week, because Andy and I have shit to talk about. Um, there's also two other comics I want to talk about, but uh, I'll make blog posts about those. Um, or even share next week. First one, is, or say so yeah, I'll save it for next week. Uh, I just didn't have enough time to uh, get to reading all of them, but they're really exciting titles. So you want to talk about Spider-Man and his big, big day? Yeah. Today? Yeah, let's wrap with Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man's birthday, motherfuckers. Yep. So uh, Spider-Man is uh, old as shit. I think he's. I think he's around. Almost 60 years old. I forget the exact... I think he's like 56 years old. I, th- I was doing the math before. Oh, 50... Th- he's, uh, he's 53 years old now. He first appeared in Amazing Fantasy number 15, written and drawn by um, Stan Lee and uh, Steve Ditko, respectively. And, yeah. So, look at, look at how far he's gone now. You know, he's still going strong. And So, happy birthday, Spider-Man. And I thought it would be fun to discuss our favorite Spider-Man memories or stories or characters or mythos, if you, if you will. So, Stan, you want to start? Sure. Um, well, obviously, Spider-Gwen. If we're going to talk about favorite Spider-Man anything. Um, Gwen Stacy's always been a favorite character of mine, even before she got Spider-Powers. So having her have her own ongoing, where she is spidery, is cool. Um, before that, I was a huge fan of the Clone Wars e- Clone Wars, the Clone Saga, even though everyone hated it. I had a special place in my heart for Scarlet Spider and Ben Riley, and I just I fucking loved him, and I like followed anything that he was in when I was a kid, because he was just so badass with his like little little blue hoodie and his like red suit. It was great. Also, Maxim Carnage for the Super Nintendo. Word. Hell yeah. That was such an awesome game. Red um, cartridge and shit, come on. Some of my favorite Spider-Man stories include uh, Spider-Man, the 90s animated series. Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. That, that, show was fucking, that show was fucking awesome. I don't care what anyone says. It was. And Did that come out before or after the X-Men animated series? Oh, or was it I feel like after were, and during. Yeah, it was like after and during. Because they also do a crossover with Wolverine and some of the other X-Men, and it's all from 
uh, the same animated series. There's that. I also really love the end saga of Ultimate Spider-Man, where Peter Parker dies. As, like, sad as that is for me. But I thought it was really amazing. You finally get to see, like, Peter and Uncle Ben, like, yeah, we did it. And, uh, Spider-Man kills Goblin, which is fucking amazing. He breaks his, like, one rule and and finally kills. And Spider-Man, the video game for the N64. You're like, it was fucking awesome. Invisible suit Spider-Man? Shit was, like, impossible to play as. That one and also the second one, the Electro one. Well, I didn't care about that one, though. Why didn't you care about that one? I don't know. It was fucking cool. I don't remember any of it. Except that (laughs) Electro, like, threw a lightning... I remember the first one because the first one had, like, a, a Carnage Dr. Octopus. Yo, that shit was amazing. And he, Freaked like, me out as a kid. Yeah. That game was fucking great. And Carnage is my favorite symbiote. So having a game revolve around Carnage. I think that was the first time you ever had a superhero game where you could actively change the costume of the guy you were playing as. So they had, like, all the different Spidey suits. And the password, for anyone who doesn't know, to unlock everything, was Stanley's name backwards. For me... Stan, I was I was like you, like my first real dive into Spider-Man comics continuity was the Clone Saga. I didn't know at the time it was so reviled, but I loved that. It was I loved it so much, and I have a huge love for Scarlet Spider. He was so great, and uh, I really like Kane. Yeah. Um, the other Spider Clone, uh, he was really cool. I I I had no idea who he was, but. He was badass, and he like he like took down all the Spider Man, and he kidnapped Mary Jane, and you know he was just this big bad that I I just captured my imagination, and also remember during that time, uh, I forget what the issue number was, but it was uh, the issue where Aunt May died, and how she revealed to Peter that she she knew all along that he was Spider Man. Plot twist. And I was like, oh god, the feels, the 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 feels, so. And I remember it was like this really the, the the issue I had I don't I don't I don't have the issue anymore. I wish I saved it. But it had this really cool it had like this double cover and on the front it had Spider Man standing in front of Aunt May's grave or her gravestone and it was a really powerful, vivid image and uh, that kinda stuck with me for a long while. I grew up with the the animated series as well. I really loved it. You know, one of the one of the most catchy theme songs next to the X-Men animated TV show. Have you ever watched Spider-Man Other... Unlimited? Yes! I love that That series show. was amazing, so even though it was only 12 episodes I... and left off on a cliffhanger. Oh, jeez. That show was so amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I remember for playing for the first time Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and I played with Spider-Man and Venom a lot. And Venom, Venom's my, my favorite symbiote. Um... I love Carnage too, but my love for Venom's a little bit higher. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Andy. And the most recent stuff I've loved the most is specifically Edge of Spider-Man, or oh, I'm sorry, Edge of Spider-Verse number five. Uh, the issue written by Gerard Way. This yeah. Is, uh, it, it, it's basically Pacific Rim meets Spider-Man. And it's so awesome. It, it, it involves a nine-year-old Penny Parker, and her father died piling an experimental mech suit called the Spider Suit. She eventually takes hold of it, and the only way she can activate and control the suit is if she drifts with the mind of an actual spider. And oh, 
Oh, I just get chills. And the art is so beautiful. And I just love anything anime and mecha related. And I mentioned this before on the Facebook group. But there's a lot of funny anime cameos and Easter eggs. Like um, there's or a couple of series of pages where Penny Parker's in in the in her classroom, and some of her classmates include um, Ray from Evangelion and Simon from Gurren Lagann. And I just lost it. It's like, oh, this is amazing. This see, is the best comic ever. So see, I wasn't gonna pick up Edge of Spider Verse, and then I found out that Gerard Way was doing one of those issues, and I was like, I fucking need this series. I'm surprised it didn't gain more popularity than it did. It got completely eclipsed by Spider-Gwen's issue. I don't care, man. Gerard Way's amazing. That dude's an amazing singer-slash-songwriter. Amazing artist. Oh, speaking of robots, though, how about Supida-Man? <laughs> Supida-Man! Thank you, Japan! He's Thank got a you. giant, like... He's, he's badass. He's got a I, giant Spider-Mech. Come on. Which, like... Randomly comes back later on in Spider-Verse. That's like one of the best parts of Spider-Verse is when they grab the Japanese Spider-Man with the with the robot. Like, and they use him. And they actually use the fucking robot. Yeah. Why doesn't he have an ongoing? That's, that's what, what I'm I saying. I don't know, man. Spider-Verse... Spider-Man to team up. Spider-Verse had this thing where it, like, emotionally attached me to some of the Spider-Man. And then it just fucking killed them off. Yeah. But you know what? They're, they are having the Web Warriors ongoing in the fall. So we might see more Supida Man. We might see, you know, Gerard Way Spider Man, Spider yeah. Spider Person, <laughs> gender neutral Spider character, Spider Spider Thing. Yeah, an actual Spider Thing, like thing with Spider Man powers. <laughs> Why would you yeah. want that? I want I wanted to write a comic book where it's just Penny Parker and Supida Man. It's it's like based on to- Tokukatsu Sentai Power Ranger stuff, and it's like an episodic. Oh my god, giant monster invading Tokyo, invading New York City, and then two team up, and then two mechs fuse with each other into a bigger mech, and they just duke it out in the city. And then they can tie in that Spider-Man slash Attack on Titan crossover <laughs> comic, which I love also. <laughs> so then, Penny Parker and um, Spider-Man, they fight Titans. That'd be great. I want that right now. I'm not gonna lie though, Clone Saga was a complete clusterfuck, and if you're listening to this and you decide like, hey, you know, I this sounds kind of interesting, I wanna I wanna read it. Don't don't read it. It, it was fucking terrible. <laughs> and if you want to actually uh, read the Clone Saga, they actually came out with a mini about it in 2009, I believe, and it was only like I don't even remember four to six issues or something like that. And it basically told the story of the Clone War. I keep saying Clone Wars, Clone Saga, the way it was supposed to be told, with Ben Riley, Peter Parker, and it was a very tightly told story. And it it covers the entire Clone Saga, which took a fucking decade in like a handful of issues. So if you if you're listening to this and you're really interested in the Ben Riley character, definitely pick up that mini. And I'm not sure who wrote or drew it but i'll we can include it in the show notes in case you want to track it down but i highly recommend you read that one instead of the giant multi-year clusterfuck that is this clone saga of the 90s <laughs> or read the original clone saga that happened because the spider mobiles in that one i mean even the clone saga in the 90s was like it appeared in the the animated ba- uh spider-man series 
it was all over the place. And so if you want to have anything Clone Saga related, read the original like 70s run of the Clone Saga with the original clone of Peter Parker and then jump ahead to 2009 mini cuz that'll that'll cover you. And also read Scarlet Spiders from Spider-Verse cuz that was fun. Yeah. That was a great sh- that was a great series. I need Ben R- Riley back. They're bringing back all the spiders, bring him back to the main to the main. Oh, no, I like Drake Bell's Ultimate Spider-Man. He's you fun. would. Why? He's hilarious. He always breaks off into like those little montages. It's amazing. I don't know, man. I like him. I'm not gonna lie. He got he got something about him that I like. No, no, him and Miles Morales are like tight. Yeah, they're like bros. They're like buddy cops. <laughs> <laughs> they're like Thors. Yeah, basically. Can you imagine like an entire police force made of Spider-Man? Spider-Verse, that's what that was. Spider-Island. It's going to be Web Warriors. They're going to be cops. They're going to be Spider-Cops. Oh, I didn't, know, I didn't realize that was Web Warriors. Okay, never mind. Yeah, they're, okay. it's, it's basically coming out of Spider-Verse and the Spider-Verse Secret Wars tie-in where they're going to have like... A, it's going to be the Green Lantern Corps, but with Spider-Characters. And they're going to probably be like that's so Universe cool. Cops or something. Oh, no, I need to pick it up. Yeah. That sounds so amazing. This is actually something that I've been, like, arguing for them having, like, long before Spider-Verse was a thing. Like, I was like, I want a Spider-Core where you have all the Spider-Characters together. And they do, like, galactic cop shit. Boom. Done. But And it's happening, so I'm very excited. Anyway, that's it. So have they confirmed uh, any of the roster for Web Warriors? Yeah, it's... Yeah, this is complete news to It's going to be Spider-Gwen. It's going to be Spider-UK. Um, I think Noir is going to be part of it. Um... The Spider-Man from India is going to be in it. And yeah. I, f- I feel like they're going to weave in and out other Spider-Characters. Oh, I'm- and probably, um... Was it was it Miles's, uh Peter Parker's female clone from Miles' series? My Didn't opinion. she stay in, like... I think so. I'm not 100% sure. But I feel like they have... You know, with the... There was, like, a Spider-Woman and Spider- Spider-UK. Yeah. They were the two Yeah, they were, stayed. like, buddies. Yeah. And Spider-Ham is obviously going to be a part of it. Well, Spider-Ham has to be a part of yeah. it. Yeah. So, I... That's going to be, like, the core team, but I hope they, like, weave in and out other members of the team, and they do, like, like B-team, you know? And they'll have, like, Spider gender-neutral robot character <laughs> and Supida-Man and Miguel. Sp- ben Spider-Ham, Spider-Ham has the best, hands-down, backstory... He was a spider who got bit by a radioactive pig. That's amazing. Yeah. Just throw in spider carnage as well on the team. That'll, that'll make things. Oh cool. man! Imagine. Should just throw symbiotes in that. Bring back Superior yeah. Spider-Man. I actually enjoyed uh, Superior Spider-Man being there. Although he was a dick, but. But he's the dick you like to love. I guess. Yeah. The dick I like to love is Dick Grayson. <laughs> you, there's only one dick for you. <laughs> There will only be one dick for me. <laughs> that's all the end. That's right. You should, um, speaking of dick, you got you got your tattoo. Speaking yeah. of dick, I got a Dick Grayson tribute tattoo on my arm. It's fucking awesome. If you haven't seen it, it's on the page. Go join. Join our group. But I think that's Dan. What tattoo? What tattoo are you gonna get? Because Stan has one. Some... Oh, that's right. I have the Superman Batman tattoo. So I'm the only one who doesn't have a tattoo. I was saying on the group that I should get a giant uh, like back tattoo of Zillafall, <laughs> like like Godzilla in Hell, with with Demon Mad Max fighting off Speed Racer and Robbie Rees 
Ghost Rider. I could see you with a Warboy tattoo, like on your arm or something. Yeah, I could. Yeah, like a like the the V8 engine or like the Immortan Joseph. Yeah, the, with the skull and the yeah. flames and whatever. I can just see you with Mel Gibson tattooed on your arm. I can see you with a mural of the entire <laughs> Mad Max quadrilogy across your chest, like all the scenes. I would do like that. a big mural. Would, it just goes. It goes. It, It'll be like a it'll be like a living comic book. It starts on my chest, it goes around my back, it ends like on the other side. I would just get tattooed on my chest like, the guy that plays the guitar. <laughs> like that's Oh Doof Warrior? Hell yeah. Yeah, and have like the yes. flame shoot up my arm. <laughs> that shit would look awesome. Oh, yes. right, and, and on that note I think so I think that's a good place to stop this week. <laughs> Doof Warrior tattoos. Right. Doof Warrior tattoos. Hashtag. Hashtag it and retweet it. Alright, so that's it for another fun episode of Super Nerd Pals. If you like what you heard, if you enjoy it, or you enjoy what we do, please like, rate, subscribe, and share our podcast. We're available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And if you have any questions or comments, or just want to talk to us, uh, you can tweet at us at Super Nerd Pals. You can tweet me at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O Ninja for Hire. You can find Stan on Twitter at Stan Doom. 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 <laughs> uh, as in Dr. Doom. And you can also find Andy on Twitter at SweetJustice1. That's O-N-E. Go follow me. So go follow us. You know, Follow us. Give us, us your stars. Us, retweet at us. Rate us with stars and join our Facebook group. Your Facebook group and, is awesome. Uh, Definitely know, join. And uh, stay nerdy and put on some sunglasses and... Draw some smiles on your face and have a good week. <laughs> Thank All you. Right. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Can't trust anyone.